Oh my. Well, welcome to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. If you have your Bibles with you, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you on a seat. Just pull it out. You're going to need it for this service. Go to John chapter 4. Just go to the middle, fast forward to the front, to the, uh, to the back a little bit. Okay, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the fourth chapter of John, there's this incredible encounter that this woman who hangs out at this well has with Jesus. And we're going to go through the whole chapter real quick. And it's just an incredible encounter that's going to set the stage for wrapping up our Holy Spirit. And John chapter 4 starts out, with this, you can follow some of the scriptures beyond the screens, but most of them will be in your Bible. And it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. He was alone at the time as his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised that a Jew would ask a despised Samaritan for anything. Why is that? Usually they wouldn't even speak to them talking about the Samaritans. And she remarked about this to Jesus. Now, notice Jesus always just goes right into things about God and things about a relationship. He replied, if you only knew what a wonderful gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me for some living water. But notice how she gets religious and what Jesus says goes right over her head. He says, but you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And she even gets more religious. And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? How can you offer better water than this, which he and his sons and cattle enjoy? Watch the response of Jesus. Jesus replied that people soon became thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them, he said, becomes a perpetual spring within them, watering them forever with eternal life. That's a major statement. She doesn't get it again. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to make this long trip out here every day. And now he gets really personal because God knows everything. Jesus said, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She replied, but I'm not married. All too true, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Oops. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And notice how she gets really religious now. But say, tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. And Jesus replied, the time is coming, ma'am, when we will no longer be concerned about whether to worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. For it is not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. Watch what he says. Is our worship spiritual and real? Do we have the Holy Spirit's help? For God is spirit, and we must have his help to worship as we should. As a matter of fact, the Father wants this kind of worship from us. But you Samaritans know so little about him, 
worshiping blindly while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes to the world through the Jews. And now she pulls out the biggest religious card she has. And the woman said, well, at least I know that the Messiah will come. The one they call Christ. And when he does, he's going to explain everything to us. In other words, better than you are right now. And then Jesus told her, well, that would be me. Matter of fact, he said, I am the Messiah. I am that person that people are talking about. You see, we all come into the world thirsty, don't we? From the time my daughter made her first cry in the delivery room, she began rooting around for something to drink. God planned it that way. See, our bodies are 50, 60% water, and they have to be replenished continuously. When we go without water, we get dehydrated. We cramp up. We get headaches. We need to keep water to keep our, our mouths moist enough to swallow, our vital organs plump enough to function, and our joints lubricated enough to flex. I mean, I'm like the tin man. I mean, I need a lot of water. I could bend down, you'll hear, you'll hear cracking. You hear that? I'm telling you, I need a lot of water. One week without water, I know I just disgusted you to no end. One week without water, and we simply dry up, we could possibly die. You know, we also come into the world spiritually thirsty. From the time we're born, we begin our, our journey thirsting for living water that can only satisfy the soul. But we don't know it yet. None of us know it. But God has placed that desire in each and every one of our hearts. And until we have an encounter with Jesus at the well, we're all going to fumble around just trying to quench the God-given thirst with anyone, with anything that offers temporary relief. But that's all it is. It's always temporary. I love what author Peter Kreeft wrote. He said, it is only in a relationship with Jesus that we discover the ultimate purpose for which we were created, the meeting and marriage between ourselves and God, the highest and holiest and happiest hope of the human heart, the thing we were all born hungering and thirsting for, hunting for, and longing for. The Samaritan woman at the well had tried drinking from many shallow streams, but they had all left her thirsty for more or at least for something different. Jesus offered her freely flowing, refreshing water. Water that bubbles up from the indwelling Holy Spirit and quenches every thirst, washes away every sin, and flows into every nook and cranny of our beings. He invites us to have a drink on me, and you will never, ever be thirsty again. Friends, have you ever wondered, is there, is there something more to this thing called life? There has to be just something more, something better, something deeper, something more powerful to this thing called life. You know, after Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl, you would think that he would have found it. Check out this interview after he won his third Super Bowl. Watch this. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's best stories. At the tender age of 28, 
He's already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Listen, he's won five Super Bowl rings. He still doesn't know because he's still drinking from the wrong well. Now, you've heard me talk about praying for mountains to be removed from your life. And they have to go in Jesus' name. You talk, you've heard me talk about resurrection power that lives inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You've heard me talk about that you can pray for anything in God's will. All you have to do is ask and it'll be done for you. You've heard me say that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's real. We're all looking for a real and powerful source of energy that's flowing from our, from our hearts. And friends, I'm just not talking about behavior modification by your own effort and discipline, but I'm talking about real life transformation. I'm talking about being made new. That can only happen through the inside work of the Holy Spirit's power flowing in and through us like a river that never ends. It never ends. And Jesus clearly taught that he alone can make this possible. In John 7:37, when he says this, when Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, here's what he shouted. And I believe he's shouting to, to us tonight. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone, everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not entered his glory. According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is that source of something more, the source of what's missing. And that's why he invites us tonight to have a drink on him. The phrase Jesus used, living water, was meant to evoke, among other scriptures, Jeremiah 2.13, which says, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, notice one of the names of God, the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And many of us can relate to the concept of living water, right? Living water was another term used for fresh water, the stuff you use to water plants, grow crops, clean dishes, the stuff you drink to live on. And importantly, it stands in opposition not to stagnant dead water, but to salt water. See, salt water looks good, it looks fresh, it looks like living water, but if you drink it for any length of time, it'll kill you. A person could be stranded in the middle of the ocean on top of trillions and trillions of gallons of water and die of thirst. The more salt water you drink, the thirstier you get. If there's a better picture for sin, someone tell me, because that's what salt water is. It's not just that our souls need living water or will die of spiritual thirst. It's that we're dying of thirst because we drink from alternative wells. And all of us do it. 
We're chugging down salt water instead of fresh living water every day. And what our souls long for is Christ, whom we can only experience by the Holy Spirit. Like the body, the soul can't go much long without water. And so everyone, most every day, all of us get thirsty as we have experienced in, innumerable, in, in so many forms. I can't even say what I wrote down. That's my New York coming out of me. See if any of these sound familiar. Insecurity, unforgiveness, meaninglessness, loneliness, hopelessness, emptiness, boredom, dissatisfaction, worry, anxiety, passivity, guys, and many other dry wells that make us thirsty for water. Our souls are constantly crying out for something to drink, and so we drink. But all temporary forms of refreshment, sex, drugs, success, fame, busyness, entertainment, travel, materialism, are in the end, salt water. In the moment, they taste and feel like water to the lips, but they only succeed in making us thirstier. If we persist in drinking them, then they become spiritually terminal. If you feel unsatisfied with your life and you want to live a fulfilled, meaningful life, you need to take Jesus up on his offering and have a drink on him instead of looking for satisfaction somewhere else. We're always looking around, trying to find something to make our lives happier and significant. We think, if I can just wear these kind of clothes, I'll be cool, right? If I can just have this plastic surgery and get this fixed, I'll be grand. If I can get this job, this job, any job, I'll be satisfied. And not only have we rejected God and not looked to him to meet all of our needs and satisfy our lives, we're also trying to meet our needs on our own. And these wells we've dug called a career or good looks or recreational activities, they aren't going to hold water. Now let me stop for a second. Is having a good career or looking your best or having a hobby a sin? Of course not. But placing any of those things before your creator who loves you is. And the more you make an idol of something, the more control it has over you. Sin is addictive. It makes you thirstier. If you don't believe that, ask anyone who's looked at pornography. Once is not enough. If you're addicted to prescription medication, one pill is not enough. If you have a problem with anger, you're not just going to get angry once. Sin creates a, th a greater thirst for satisfaction. If you have a problem with shopping, you already know that Black Friday is 259 days away. And you're not going to be denied come hell or high water or even the return of Jesus on a white horse. Because once the leg of the turkey is eaten, you're out of there. Forget having the best apple pie or pecan pie. You're going to be at Best Buy fighting with all the crazies for that large screen TV. And after you fight all the crazies, you're going to come back and worship at Encounter that night. And you're going to praise God for the 70-inch TV you got. But Jesus offers living water that will permanently satisfy your thirst. If you feel unsatisfied with your life, you know what that's called? Spiritual thirst. And the only one who can quench that thirst is the one who says to us tonight, have a drink on me. Hey, you're looking at a guy who once took a hit of purple haze and tried to kiss the sky. But now, I, but, but now I took a hit of Jesus, and now I raise my hands to the sky because his grace has washed over me.
Why? Because I have rivers of living water flowing through me. He makes things new. He satisfies my life. He satisfies my thirst. Because I can't keep who he is and what he's done for me quiet. I'm never going to stop talking about God. I'm never going to stop bragging about God. And I'm never going to stop singing about God ever, ever, ever. So, I need a drink of water. I love water. I really do. And I'm not sure if you know this, but most of you know I'm from New York City, right? So how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, so here's the deal. You may not know this about New York, but New York City has the best water in the United States. It really does. I got to clap for that. Uh, you just graduated. You're free. Get, get, someone give that person a coin. Okay? Uh, they really do have the best water in the United States. Experts will tell you by far the best water is in New York. There's something about where the water comes from in upstate New York that there's something in the minerals that make it the best water in New York. That's why they have the best restaurants, the best pizza, the best bagels. Oh, they do. Nothing even comes close. Don't give me Chicago pizza. Okay, if I want a deep dish, I'll go to Marie Callender's and get an apple pie. I love you in Illinois, if you're watching. But listen, it's true. It's, it's, if you go to New York City, you want tap water, and it tastes delicious. It really is the best water in the United States. And I, and I found this to be true in so, so many different ways. I remember one time visiting uh, a pizza joint in Tampa, Florida. And on the, on, the, on the cover, in front of the store, it said, New York pizza. I went to my wife and said, I'll find I'll, I'll know if it's New York pizza. Trust me, I know. And so I walked in there, and I, took, I said, give me a slice. You know, because New Yorkers always have a slice, you, you know. So I had a slice. I tasted it. This is New York pizza. I said, I'm having New York pizza. I got to talk to the owner. So I talked to the owner, and I said, hey, how do you do it? How do you make New York pizza in Tampa, Florida? You know what he told me? He says, I have my water shipped from New York City. <laughs> now, he did and that's how he made good New York pizza. And I knew it was the real deal. And so, and he knew, the owner knew, that that was the only way his store could have been successful to be a real New York pizza store was to have his water shipped from New York City. And as a result, he was very, very successful. And I got other pizza stories for you. We don't have time to tell. But being thirsty and drinking water that, net is, that never satisfies us, that isn't the worst tragedy. See, everyone, all of us, has had, we've all had a drink from the wrong well. We've also, all of us have had glasses of rotten water. The greater tragedy by far is for those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, who have asked him to be the leader of our, our, of our lives. And we know where the best water comes from. We don't have to go to New York for the best water. We go right, we go right to the source the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Yet for many of us, we still drink the same salt water we used to drink before we became followers. We still drink the same salt water that unbelievers drink. When we feel the thirst of insecurity, for example, do we run to God? 
Or do we buy clothes, lift weights, clamor for attention, flirt, judge others, put others down, get self-righteous, or get jealous? When we feel the thirst of loneliness or dissatisfaction, do we turn to God? Or do we overeat, watch TV, play on the computer, fantasize, act out sexually, use sex for attention, even convincing yourself that sex is love when it only fuels your lust? When we need confidence, do we rely on God or jack up ourselves with music, coffee, nicotine, Red Bull, new clothes, self-talk, self-reliance, or whatever the world says? And when you think you don't fit in with the crowd and you long for that acceptance, do you run to Facebook and post something hoping that you'll get a thousand likes just to make you feel better? Where and who are you running to to make you feel better? To satisfy your thirst. And though we have living water, the Holy Spirit living in us, we satisfy our thirst in much of the same ways that others do, that the world does. And this, when you clear everything else away, is at the core of our dissatisfaction and thirst. We're not filled, and we don't walk in. Or drink from the Spirit in the way that we could and that we should. There is a difference between the Holy Spirit living in us and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had just finished teaching something difficult. And notice you're not jumping up and down for joy at the last few things I said. (laughs) He had just finished teaching something difficult to his followers and his disciples, and they had a hard time understanding. He was teaching about eating his body and drinking his blood. Very difficult teaching. Obviously, it was a picture of what was to come and how we would remember Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross when we would experience communion. And in a little bit, we're going to experience communion together. But because Jesus could not teach and explain truth from the inside out like the Holy Spirit can... He can only attempt to reach their intellect because remember, the Spirit had not been given yet. That's why Jesus told them, it's better for you that I go. Unless I go, the counselor won't come who will guide you into truth. He says, I have been with you, but he will be in you. So like many of us today, when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth and explain the truth of God's word to us and the will of God to us, we grumble. We look to other things. We look to other people, places, and things. And what we really don't understand, and, what we, and the reason we don't understand it is, the fact of the matter is, if I can be blunt with you, you're not open to it. We're not surrendered. We're not fully submitted to God's plans and purposes for our lives. It's not that I don't believe, but I choose not to believe because I choose the things I'm still thirsty for. For those who are open to God's word directing their lives in every area of their lives, they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. For those who are not open to God's word directing their lives, they will know the truth and the truth will make them miserable and grumpy. John 6, 6, 6, John 6 61 to 64, Jesus, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit 
and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Now, friends, it could be that we just don't know any better. Maybe we never knew the source of living water was living inside of us. Or maybe we thought we were supposed to gut out a godly life in our own strength, our own discipline, our own self-determination, our own abstinence. Maybe this is all we've ever seen modeled to us. Whatever the reason, it doesn't matter because tonight all that's going to change. Tonight grace is going to wash over us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn how to drink and satisfy our thirst the way God intended us to. Now here's our memory verse for today. It comes from Ephesians 5, 17 through 18. It says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Let's say that out loud together. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. You see, Paul's making a big statement here. You would think that the, the very next statement in Scripture would be, don't be drunk with wine. Then the next statement would be, then don't drink. But that's not the answer. The answer is to be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? First of all, it's a command. It is a command. Filled doesn't mean like a glass or a cup, but it means to be controlled by the Spirit. See, both have the ability to alter your thoughts. And you're either going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind or destroyed by the altering and numbing of your mind. See, amazing things happen when people are filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. I love this quote by Max Locato. He said, the Wizard of Oz says, look inside yourself and find self. God says, look inside yourself and find the Holy Spirit. The first one will get you to Kansas. The latter will get you to heaven. <laughs> the Bible tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered what that means? For some of you, it freaks you out. It may not be what you think. We might think that to be filled with the Spirit means we need to have this emotional experience. Now it could mean that. I hope it means that. But you can have this encounter with God and have no emotional experience at all. Now, I'm sure we'd all love to have this emotional encounter with God every single day. I would. It'd be great just to get up every morning and be zapped by God. That'd be awesome. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But that's not necessarily going to happen. In the book of Acts, we read of the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came upon those first Christians and filled them, the day of Pentecost was like an explosion. And it set the early church into motion. There are many people, including myself, who have prayed for another day of Pentecost. Oh, I want that. But what we really need is people like you and me to do what the disciples did after Pentecost. And then you'll really know what it means to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. See what the Holy Spirit did on the day of Pentecost, pouring out his power on his disciples, is available to every single one of us who would put out faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See, when you start driving a car, there's an explosion that starts the engine. Boom! Starts it right up. But once the engine started, you just drive the car. 
You just drive the car. You don't need the explosion over and over again, unless you're from New York, and you have a car that backfires. Bam! But thank God for those powerful, emotional, life-changing encounters we have with, we have with him. I've had many of those. And God wants to bless us with life-changing, life-altering moments in time where we sense his presence and power. I don't know about you, just like I'm doing tonight because of this amazing band and the worship experience we're experiencing tonight. They're not done yet. You want them to come back for more? I'll shut up. But not yet. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. You see, but as we grow in our faith and our walk with God, led by the Holy Spirit, he wants us to have the faith that whether we sense his presence or not, that we know that he's always with us, that we know he'll never leave us nor forsake us, and we are never beyond the reach of his power, his love, his presence, and the comfort that lives inside of us. You are never alone. That's why the scripture reminds us that the just shall live by faith. Not by what you experience. The just shall live by faith, Romans 1.17. The word filled has many descriptions and illustrations. I love Greg Laurie's translation of the word filled. He said, it describes the concept of a wind filling the sail of a ship as it carries out to sea. By that definition, to be filled with the Spirit is to allow God to fill your sails and guide your course through life. Making his commands a delight and not a burden. See, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. 1 John 5, 2 through 4. The word filled also speaks of something that should be ongoing and continuous. You could translate it as be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like you have to put gas in the car. You know, what the, you know the thing about gas in the car? You run out every now and then, you need to refill it, don't you? The same thing with the Holy Spirit. You know, I love going to a restaurant, and I drink a lot. If I'm not drinking water, I'm drinking Arnold Palmer's iced tea and lemonade, or just tea. I never get one glass. I'm always asking for a refill. I've learned you've got to ask for a refill of the Holy Spirit every single day. You need the constant filling of the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, God won't charge you. He won't. He's always with us whether we feel him or not. See, many people want that emotional encounter of some kind. But his work, now listen to me very carefully. His work is to teach us the truth of Scripture. Very important. Guide us into God's will. Transform our character. Gift us gift us for service in the church, very important, empower us to obey, suffer hardship, and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you're supposed to be doing. The key to being filled with the Spirit is not just in experience, but in obedience. John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. How does the Spirit, how does God show himself to us? Through the Holy Spirit. You want God to show up in your life? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want him to show up in your situation, in your pain, in your past, in your problems? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're always in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the more you surrender your life to his control, the more you're going to sense his love, his power, and even his presence. And the more you surrender your life to his control, the more you're going to, sur- the more you're going to experience the goodness and the greatness of God in your life. This is a voluntary choice to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit's control. In other words, be sensitive to his leadership, his guidance, obedient to his promptings, and dependent upon his strength. The evidence of the Spirit's control is is revealed in a person's character. Those who have yielded their lives to Christ's leadership are continually being transformed into his likeness. The degree of surrender determines the level of of transformation. The degree of surrender, it opens up the door to the level of what type of experience you want. You want a great experience? This is how you have a great experience with the Holy Spirit. But I got to tell you, most of the time, the Holy Spirit is released in your life in quiet, unassuming ways with little nudges, gentle whispers. Hey, why don't you just tap that? Why don't you just go to that person, encourage that person? Why don't you pay for that person's groceries on the, line, on the person in line in front of you? Well, the person ahead of you at Starbucks, another addiction. It's a good addiction. I like that one. I'm sorry. Help me, Lord. Why don't you pray for that person? Why don't you forgive that person? Instead of holding on to that grudge so I can give you my peace. Why don't you just surrender your life to me? Why don't you just stop playing God, stop trying to do my job and let me do it for you? See, God wants you to experience what it truly means to be full of the Holy Spirit. And here's the biggest reason why. He loves you. He created you for fellowship. Listen, God just doesn't want to lead your life. He, just, he doesn't just want to lead you through life. This doesn't want to guide your life. He just doesn't want to comfort you. He just doesn't want to heal you. He just doesn't want to set you free. He just doesn't want to be your joy, your strength. He wants to be your life. He wants to be your life. And that's why we worship him. That's what we're going to continue to do. So I got a question for you. We're going to bring this. That's just the first part of tonight's service. We just have about another hour to go. (laughs) You know, it's it's amazing because, uh, you know, when when you do a teaching on the Holy Spirit, um, we, 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 you know, you, you don't set a time for it. We, we, we end when God tells us to end. So I got a question for you as we continue on. We're going to bring this thing to a glorious close tonight. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Amen. Are you tired of the same old, same old? Yes. I got a question for you. Are you ready for fresh living water to satisfy your thirst? If you've been thirsty for something more, and you know deep down, and you know it, 
there has to be something more. Are you ready for fresh living water to satisfy your thirst? Are you? If you've been running to the wrong well, well, it's a me too crowd. Me too. Who hasn't ran to the wrong well? But if you want a taste of this living water that produces life and life abundantly, are you ready for that tonight? Are you ready to start saying yes to the Holy Spirit? If you want to be filled with the Spirit and have living water flowing through you, then you've got to turn from drinking salt water and turn to God. Peter put it this way in Acts 2.38. He said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friends, it's always in that order. When you believe, trust, repent, turn, and receive Jesus into your hearts because it has to go in that order. You have to turn and turn to him and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everything changes. Everything changes. But here's one thing you probably never even thought about. Maybe probably knew you needed to do this, but you maybe forgot to do this. You need to pray for the Holy Spirit in your life. Not just for the one-time experience, but every day. Every day. You need to pray for his gifts, his power, his peace, and everything God wants to give you. And everything God wants to do for you can only come through the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Luke. I love this. You know, we do a lot of teachings in prayer around here, but watch what he says. And so I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door is going to be open. You fathers... If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, here it is. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We pray for God to fill us. Pray for God to live in us. We also pray for God to gift us with gifts. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, you don't get to call them. God does. If God wants to give you a gift, you take it and you run with it. Whatever it is. What water will you choose to drink? Will you choose fresh living water from the Holy Spirit? Or will you choose the salt water that you've been drinking? Jesus invites us tonight. Have a drink on him. It's all made possible through the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Spirit of God that lives inside of you, friends, that's a one-time event. But when you ask to be filled again and again and again and again, that's fresh living water Jesus was talking about when he was referring to the Holy Spirit. You just have to get out of the way. You got to get out of the way and say yes to God to be filled with the Spirit and allow God to do whatever he wants to do in your life. You don't call the shots. Last time I looked, you're not God. I've learned that if you want to get close to God, you've got to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. God says, if you're faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many. 
God will reward your faithfulness to saying yes to the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance to allow God to produce the things that he wants to produce in your life. All you have to do is say, I'm all in. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want. I'm going to take you up on your offer and I'm going to have a drink tonight. If you need fuel for your life, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and get fulfilled in life. That's how it works. Happiness is found when we're filled with the Spirit and we let Him lead our lives. Any other life, you're miserable. Drinks are on the house tonight at Encounter. Compliments of Jesus Christ. And He invites you and me to have a drink on Him. I guarantee you, it'll be the best happy hour you've ever been to. Because <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength. Look what he says in Revelation 21, 5 through 7. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You know what that means? It means they're trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Revelation twenty-two seventeen 17 says this. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Isn't that a great word? Come and receive the free gift of the water of life. You know, in a, in a second, we're going we're gonna to take communion, and we were going to end the service right here. Uh, but but I, I, I want to end this service by sharing something with you, because we're going to do a couple things. One is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask uh, my leaders uh, to come forward. We're going to ask you to do four things tonight. We're going to ask you to, to do what, what, what Peter said in Acts 2.38. Repent, turn from your sins, Ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life and be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask you to do that. We're also going to ask you to come forward and maybe you've done that. Maybe you've been running to a, a wrong, the wrong wells. Maybe you just need a refilling tonight. Maybe you just never know what it means to be filled or even be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't know what that means. You're not supposed to know what it means. When I got baptized, God came into my life, came into my body to live with me forever and ever. And then somebody told me one day, he said, you know, God's got gifts for you. And I know that there's gifts that God gives you when you get saved, but there's also something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know what it was. I just said, God, if you got something else for me, I'm in. Whatever, you want to, whatever gifts you want to give to me, I'm all in. I've just always said yes to God, but I'd be lying to you if it was always like that in the beginning. Because I resisted the Holy Spirit when he would speak to me at times. I would say no, and I would pay the price. Because God wants to speak to you, and God wants to lead your life. And, and when you come forward, there's communion stations to my right and to my left. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you take this piece of bread, 
that represents the body that was broken for you that was sacrificed for you so that you can have eternal life your sins forgiven and the free gift of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you when you drink this juice it represents the blood that was shed on the cross not only for the forgiveness of all your sins but for your healing your healing some of you have prayed for years God when will I ever be healed and maybe it's not a physical ailment for some of you the thing that needs healing is your heart you've suffered with a broken heart for years and you can't get over the scars in your heart you can't get over the pain in your heart like I said if you want to get close to God, you have to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. And when I first started saying yes to God, God put me to the test. And I just start, he just started asking me to go speak for him in all these different places. And I got a cup right up here with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is an organization that's near and dear to my heart. I used to do a lot of speaking for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. One time I was asked to go to a place called Maysville, Kentucky. You know where Maysville is. And I was asked to speak to several hundred kids. Many of you have heard this story before, but I'm going to share it because some of you have never heard it. And I think it's the perfect way to end our series. There's two, three hundred kids, that, middle school kids, as a matter of fact. And I got to the place early, and I just started praying. I didn't know a single person. But I was praying. God used me tonight speak to me tonight and all the kids started walking in in front of me and one kid walked in in front of me and it was as if God showed me his heart and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and the Holy Spirit said this to me go over and tell that boy that I love him and share Psalm, 30, share Psalm 34 verse 18 with him it says the Lord is close to the broken hearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. And it was as if God showed me the boy's heart. I saw it. And it was broken. And the boy was just sad. And he walked by me with his head down. And when I heard that from God, go over to that boy and tell him I love him and share Psalm 34 verse 18 with him that says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit I told God no I'm not that type of Christian I'm not a Christian that says well God just told me to tell you because I've seen some crazy things but God wouldn't let me go every five minutes or so that night I would hear the same thing from God Go over and tell that boy that I love him and share Psalm 34, verse 18 with him, which says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. And I kept telling God, no. No, no, no. And I'm the keynote speaker. I'm sitting at a table with a teacher that was putting on the event, asking me about my ministry. And it was all a bunch of garbage because I was sinking fast because I was being disobedient to the Holy Spirit 
and it was about 10 minutes before I was getting ready to speak. And every, there were tables with about 12 or so kids at every round table, except one table with one boy that had his head down like this. It was that kid that walked by me. And God told me the same thing. Go over and tell that boy that I love him. And share Psalm 34, verse 18 with him. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. You know what I told God then? No. And I can't explain what happened next. But as I'm talking to this teacher and her husband who's a pastor, this thing came over me. And I started crying uncontrollably, weeping. Tears were gushing out. And teachers probably think, oh, great, our keynote speaker is having a nervous breakdown. This is really good. And then without having another thought, after I told God no again, I couldn't open up my mouth. I physically couldn't open up my mouth. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix when they got Keanu Reeves in the interrogation room. Hello, Mr. Anderson. And he shuts his mouth. I couldn't open up my mouth. And then I heard this voice from God. If you don't go over and tell that boy that I love him and share that verse with him, I'll shut you down tonight. And you won't be able to speak a single word. And I just raised my hands up and I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I went up, I got up, and that kid had his head down and he was crying. I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, son, how are you doing? You know how I know it was God? It wasn't some crazy story that I came up with or something that I thought happened in my own crazy Bill Risa world. The kid looked up to me and the first words out of that boy's mouth was I am so broken hearted and I am crushed in my spirit he just told me the exact verse that God told me to give him that's why I know it was God and when he said that to me I looked at him and I said son when you came in here tonight God pointed you out to me. And he showed me your heart. And he wanted me to tell you that he's the father you've always been looking for. And he loves you so much. And you can see the kid's countenance just change. And he looked up to me and he says, are you a pastor? I said, no. Never want to be one of those. I said, I'm just someone who realized that I've got a father in heaven who loves me so much. And he loves you that way too. And he just gave me this biggest hug. And then I was able to just walk away and get up on a podium. When I got up to the podium, there were like 12 kids around that kid. And I know that the only reason I was in Maysville, Kentucky on that one summer night, whenever it was, was to say yes to the Holy Spirit so that one person can know that God loved them. Because I had to learn the hard way. If you want to get close to God, you got to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit.
So here's the deal. Whatever's going on in your life, there's a Father in heaven who loves you more than you'll ever know. If you're brokenhearted, you're crushed, you come. I want everyone to get out of their seats today. I want everyone to receive communion. I want you to ask these guys to my left and to my right to pray for you, to heal your broken heart, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you take communion. If you want to kneel, you want to just, this is an open, this is, this is, this is God's family right here. We're going to play one last song. 38 minute song. 36. 36. We just want to pray for you. We want to give you the opportunity to take communion, be filled with the Spirit. But first, I want to pray for you. After I pray, just come. All who are thirsty, come. If you're weary, you're burdened, come. You're broken, come. Been drinking from the wrong well, come. Got lost somewhere along the road, come. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, pray this with me. Jesus, I have sinned and I turn from my sins and I turn to you and I trust in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and the free gift of eternal life. I completely repent and turn and I completely receive your total and complete forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me an eternal home in heaven. And thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for healing me and setting me free and giving me the power to experience heaven on this side of heaven, here on earth. Give me the power to live this out so that I'll never be thirsty ever again. In Jesus' name, you come. You come now.